We've been talking about the Mass um, the last few weeks, and today we'll continue with the communion rite. But first, I kind of want to look at our readings to kind of help us think about that. So we look at our first reading in our Gospel. We see this idea or this theme of how God sees. Um, when Samuel, the great prophet, came to anoint um, one of Jesse's sons, he looked around and he said, well, must be that one. He looks pretty strapping young man. It must be that one there. And God said, no, no, don't look at his appearance. Look into his heart. So there's a way in which God looks into our hearts. He looks for um, an openness in our hearts. And that's what he's looking for. Not the exterior things that the world so often sees. It says that the Holy Spirit rushed upon David when he was anointed. So we think of how David was open to receive the gifts of God and then God gave it to him. And we too were anointed at baptism and confirmation. We received the anointing of the, of the Spirit. And so there's a way in which we have also received that anointing. If we're open and receptive, God will give us what we need. We also see that the blind man is open, right? He's open to be healed today. And it's an interesting story back and forth. Um, those around him won't believe him. They won't believe his testimony. They won't believe the sign that they see, that his eyes are open and he was blind and now he can see. And they're like, well, how did this happen? It couldn't have happened. There's no way he could actually be healed by that guy. Uh, so they just, they, they refuse to see, right? They're obstinate in, in this. They re- remain blind, as Jesus says at the end. And so there's a way in which their prejudice of what is possible keeps them from receiving this great sign, this great gift. And so we too uh, can struggle with this at, this at times, this blindness that we might have or this blindness that the world has. So let's talk a little bit about the Eucharist. What is the Eucharist of the world? Right? It's just bread and wine. It's a sign maybe. At the, uh, you know, we, we hear today that the statistics say that even in Catholic circles, 70% of Catholics don't believe that the Eucharist is the presence of Christ, that it's merely a symbol. Uh, maybe you've heard of Flannery O'Connor. She's a, a great author uh, from the 20th century. Um, and she was at a dinner with uh, some people and there was a fallen away Catholic who said, you know, it's, it's just a symbol. You know, it's, it's just, you know, the Eucharist is a symbol. It's a nice symbol. And Flannery kind of responded, she said, well, if it's just a symbol, then to hell with it. You know, I'm not going to sacrifice for that symbol. If it's not Jesus, then what good is it? You know, so a symbol's not worth dying for. It's not worth giving our lives for. It's not worth going into the church, a burning building to, to save the Eucharist. It's not worth um, risking death. It's not worth going to spend at time in the Adoration Chapel, long hours with the Lord. If it's just a symbol, then we might as well become Protestant. We might as well, uh, you know, turn away from, from this church that we have so many problems at times. If it's just a symbol, then I'm not a priest, right? I don't offer a sacrifice. I just am here representing some sign or symbol. But if it's if it's all of that, then, like she says, to hell with it, you know? Um, but if it's truly Jesus, if this is the flesh and blood of Jesus, then everything changes. Then it is worth all of those things. It's worth every sacrifice to come to be with our Lord, to have ourselves be united to the Lord. It's worth everything that we can do to make that happen. The blindness of the world will continue, just as the Pharisees and the Sadducees were blind to the signs that Jesus was doing in their midst. Only by humbly coming to the Lord in faith and acknowledging Him as Lord can we truly see with the eyes of faith. 
without faith we can't see. We receive faith from God, but if we've already made up our minds to what is possible, what God can do, then in a sense we're going to remain blind. We won't be able to see what God wants to show us. We have to be open. And that openness can help us to see what Jesus does at every single Mass, that Jesus becomes present. We may see bread and wine, but what we actually are experiencing is the flesh and blood of Christ. So what causes people's blindness to see the Eucharist? What, what is it that keeps them from seeing? I think to some degree it's, it's an assumption that how is God going to do this? What, what, why would God do this? How can, how can this happen? We don't see the physics of it or we don't see what, how this could be possible. And so we refuse to acknowledge the power of God that he can act above nature. So there's a way in which God wants to overcome that in our lives and help us to see if we're open. So let's talk a little bit about the communion rites. So the communion rite starts with the Our Father. So we talked about the Eucharistic prayer last week. And now we remember when we start with the Our Father, we're praying the words that Jesus himself taught us to go to the Father. Jesus invites us to call God our Father, which is a beautiful thing. Then we have the sign of peace where we acknowledge to one another that we are hopefully in communion with one another, that there's this opportunity for us uh, to just acknowledge that, that I am in communion with my brothers and sisters around me. We use some suitable gesture as a way to show that, and it's different from culture to culture. And then we have the Lamb of God, where we, we sing or say the Lamb of God and in inviting Jesus to help us, to have mercy on us, help us to discern your presence, Lord, show us yourself, have mercy on our souls. There's the fractioning, right, where the priest breaks the host, the large host. And some people just think that's a practical thing. It's too big to eat that big host, so he must just have to break it. But there's actually a symbol there that, that um, in the scriptures we hear again, again and again, and even in the Jewish faith, it was the breaking of the bread was a symbolic thing. We might even think of Jesus being broken for us, that he has offered his sacrifice for us. And then there's the co-mingling, which is that little piece that, that, I don't know if you've noticed, but the priest puts a little piece in the chalice. The body and blood are now co-mingled together. This is a little sign of the resurrection, that at the consecration, separately, the body and blood are brought uh, onto the altar. And that's sort of a symbolic, when, the, when our blood is separated from our body, that's death, right? So that's the dying. And now they're co-mingled back together. So a little sign of the resurrection, that Jesus is now uh, together again. So these are little symbols, little signs uh, that help us to see what, what is happening in the mystery of, of the Mass. Then we have the, uh, where the priest holds up the host and says, Behold the Lamb of God. So it's echoing both John the Baptist and when he said that, and also um, we then respond with the words of the centurion. Remember there's the centurion that came to Jesus asking, Lord, can you please help my servant, but I'm not worthy that you should come to my house. But I'll say the word and my servant will be healed. And we echo those words and we respond, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word and my soul shall be healed. So we're recognizing I'm not worthy, but nonetheless, I'm inviting you in because I know I need you. And then there's the opportunity to receive if we're in the state to receive. Reception of the Eucharist is a moment of union. We could think of... uh, Again and again, if you look at the scriptures, look at um, the Old Testament and the New Testament, and the imagery that God uses to talk about this uh, union that we're called to have, it's the image of a bride and the bridegroom. 
Christ is the bridegroom and we are the bride. And he wants this close union, mystical union with each one of us when we would come to receive him. So it's a special time when we receive Jesus that we shouldn't just kind of come up and then just go back to our pew and kind of like, well, I've got to wait till everybody else is done. It's a moment to pray, to be present to the Lord in a very special way. And that's why we shouldn't leave right after receiving the Eucharist. We shouldn't leave church. Um, sometimes we have to because we might have something, maybe you're on call or you've got to go to work or something like that. But if we can at all stay, we should stay and offer a prayer of thanksgiving to the Lord. It's a time of deep union with our Lord, opportunity. Um, if you think about, again, if the imagery is correct, the, the bride and the groom coming together, if they come together and then one leaves right afterwards, it doesn't really, it doesn't express a sign of union, but rather sort of a, a sign of use or taking. Um, and so we don't want to express that to the Lord. Uh, and don't come and give me your excuses. Talk to the Lord about it, because it's Him you're offending, not me. So uh, take time to be with the Lord. Spend a few minutes praying with Him. Be, be attentive to what does He want to say to me in this moment of, of union. So it's, it's a beautiful opportunity. Then we have the purifying of, of the vessels, right? That we recognize Jesus is present in every crumb, every drop of the precious blood. And so we want to carefully uh, consume those as best we can. And it's, it's a moment when Jesus is still present on the altar. And so we, we take time to do that. And then there's the prayer after communion where we, we have had a moment to pray with Jesus. And now we're kind of concluding those prayers, offering a prayer of thanksgiving for what we have received. And the priest does this on behalf of the people. So the communion rite is a time to receive Jesus, come to be with Jesus, and respond to his invitation to receive him. And for blind... We can't see Jesus, right? So let's, if, if we're feeling this is a hard thing, and it is a hard thing to believe, so I'm not saying it's an easy thing, and the church doesn't say it is easy. We recognize in John 6, when Jesus talks about this, that he's going to give us the sign, people do leave him, right? They say, this is a hard teaching, who can believe it? So it does happen. But I'm encouraging you, if, if that's where you are, if you're struggling to see, if it is, has just been a sign in your, in your mind and not a reality, Beg the Lord to open your eyes. Beg the Lord to help you to see. Where is it that the Lord wants to draw you deeper? Uh, let's allow the Lord to open our hearts to see him so that we can be attentive to where he wants to unite himself to us. Lord, I'm not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word and my soul shall be healed.